the problems came when my husband had to go back to work. And that's when all the anxiety came because I was like, okay, I'm alone with this being that I have to keep alive and I can barely take care of myself sometimes. I'm going to do this. You're listening to Mom After Hours, a podcast where we talk about the wins and challenges of being a modern mom. For real, we don't sugarcoat and we cover everything that is taboo. And don't you worry, mama, we save a seat for you. Hey, welcome to Mom After Hours. This is Brandy Wyattrack, your host. And today we are talking to Chiara Townsley. She is an Italian-born writer who specializes in health and wellness. She has her own spiritual counseling business, which we'll learn about later on in the show. And she's very passionate about helping others improve their lives. Today, her and I are going to talk about this article that I read in Good Housekeeping magazine about her experience of not really connecting with her child with when he was born and she shares how it took many months for her to love her baby and she explains her reasoning or why she thinks that was. She talks about how she embarked on a spiritual journey and learning more about her body so that she could better understand the feelings that she was experiencing and better understand why she was not in love with her baby. There are a lot of mamas out there that go through that and it's not something you want to talk about because you feel like I'm a bad mom if I if that happens to me. And you know what? We are we are complicated creatures. We all have a story. We all have experiences that shape who we are as mothers and how and why we respond to things the way that we do. And Kiara is going to kind of shine a little light about that. But before we jump in, I want to mention, I'm sure you already heard Kiara's beautiful Italian accent. Well, she's like most Italians and she also talks with her hands, which I love. That's a full conversation experience. So I chose not to edit out the claps or any of the hand talking because I feel like that totally adds to the conversation. And it feels like we are right there with her. Let's dig in. So I want to start off getting to know you a little bit. You have a pretty cool background. I read you were born in Italy. You've lived in different parts of Europe. How did you find yourself in Portland, Oregon? (laughs) This is a very long story, so I'm going to try to cut it short, and then you can ask me follow-up questions if you want. So yeah, I was born in Italy, in Milan, and then I stayed there until uh, I accomplished like my university degree. And after that, I moved to London because, you know, it was a great spot um, to just go to learn English. And so I moved there and I started to work um, in a hotel. It was during the financial crisis, so it took me a while to find a job. But then I started to work in a hotel. And uh, that's kind of like the moment when my life changed forever because I was uh, working at the front desk and um, this a couple of Americans came for the check-in and there was a young guy with them. As soon as I saw him, I heard this voice or whatever you think you can explain it. This voice said, uh, you're going to marry this guy. And so it was just really shocking for me because I also never believed in love at first sight. And so 
I just knew that voice was very real to me and I didn't know what to do because he was the son of this guest. So I didn't know when I would see him again. And so I I thought about it following days and the day that this couple of Americans checked out, I wrote a little note and I wasn't working that day. So I gave it to my coworker and I said, listen, please give it to the, the people in this room, you know, and tell them to give it to their son. And so it was a note that said something like, here's, here's my number. Do you want to hang out? You and are then, awesome. <laughs> Girl, you got some balls. I love women who just go out there and get what they want. I, girl, I'm, I'm in awe of you. That's awesome. So what did he say? What happened? So basically he, uh, he sent me a text like several days after and saying like, Hey, Chiara, I'm in Italy right now traveling with my parents. Cause I was studying in London and the year of study ended. And so I would have loved to hang out with you, but you know, it's not going to happen. Cause like I am going to travel to South America for three months and then I'm going to go back to the United States, which is where I'm from. And so like a normal person at that point would have like just given up. Uh, but instead I was like, I just kept on thinking about that voice, you know, and I was like, um, I'm just going to add him on Facebook, you know, we're all on Facebook, whatever, we'll keep in touch. And so uh, for the following months when he was traveling, we wrote each other on Facebook. So he was traveling in South America and I was working in London and you were like, we were exchanging letters like via Facebook. And uh, at the end of the three months, he went back to the United States. He called me for the first time on Christmas Day. And he and we were in love at that point, you know, that kind of fairy tale love that, um, you know, you kind of just very naive. And so he said, like, why did you come to live with me in Seattle? And I was like, that's crazy. I could do that. Wow, <laughs> but- that's awesome. It's like a movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually self-published a book years ago about the story because it's such a crazy story, but I know it's not the focus of the conversation. No, but I still think that that is awesome. I think that a lot of people would be interested in hearing that because you kind of just went after what you wanted and you listened to your intuition. You're like, wait, this guy, this is the guy I'm supposed to be with. And you didn't let the distance scare you away. Like you were persistent and you went after what you wanted and now you're in Portland and you guys are living together, you're married, and you had a child. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's all. It, it all happened because I followed that intuition. That's kind of like the most most beautiful things that I got in life. I got them thanks to my intuition. So, so that was definitely something that I followed against all odds. That's a really <laughs> cool story. I So yes, I obviously, I think that it's kind of cool to listen to the backstory of like kind of like who you were as a person and a woman before you had kids and kind of like how, especially because your story is unique. It's not like, okay, yeah, I met my husband in high school or I, you know, we just, we dated on, we met each other on Tinder. It's like you, like you were living abroad, you were, you know, from Italy, but living in London and you met this guy and you wanted to connect with him. So you dropped him a note and you dated, you moved to the U.S. and then I could talk about that probably for several hours, but I know that that's not the reason why you're here. I think that that is such a cool story. So you did end up coming back to the States and you guys are now together and you have a child. And I learned about your story in the Good Housekeeping magazine where you wrote about your experience of being a new mom. And in the article, you mentioned that most women are born with maternal instincts, but you felt that you weren't. Why did you feel that way? Why did you feel that you weren't born with with that? 
I think it's because I always wanted to avoid responsibility. It was always like um, something that scared me. And, and you can see that from my background, like, you know, living in different places, like not having ties and chains, you know, like, or whatever you want to call them. Um, so I obviously thought that a, a baby would be, a child would be a huge responsibility. And I, I didn't, so I didn't develop that maternal instinct because of this fear of responsibility, I think. Yeah, I, I could relate to that. It's scary. I mean, especially when you're, you know, you're used to living that fly by the seat of your pants lifestyle. I mean, you were li- moving in within Europe, you're, you know, in Italy, you're in London, you're in Tenerife, and you had that pretty cool lifestyle where, you know, you could pitch, just pick up and you take off and you go where you want. But obviously, we know that's a little bit more challenging to do when you have children. So did you, at that point when you found out you were pregnant, what happened? How did you feel? Yeah, so my husband and I planned this. So we got married in 2014 in San Francisco. We lived there for three years. And then we saved some money, traveled the world, like do a, like, uh, did like a round the world trip. And then we decided to move to Portland for quality of life. And we bought a house. Well, let's plan the future, you know. And so we were really good at planning things. So we, I discovered that I was pregnant in December 2018. And we started to, you know, do the, the, the sex to make a baby. Uh, in- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots of sexy time. (laughs) Gotta make it happen. So we started in October, you know, of that year, 2018. So it was pretty fast. And we went to see my parents in Italy for Christmas. And and so I love the fact that I was there and my, my parents can't, I can share many moments with my parents right now because they're not physically with me. So it was awesome to be there and do the test. I remember we were in the living room in Milan with my mom and um, Talon was working somewhere else in Europe. So he joined me later and he got that day there and I was ready to do the test. And so when uh, after dinner, we said like, okay, let's do it. And so I went, uh, did the test and I said, it's positive. And so my mom was there and it was really moving moment. And I mean, I was happy because it's what we wanted and so I didn't think about anything that could happen and how I could you know deal with it but it was just like in the it was our plan so you were on that high because you were like you know we wanted we were you were trying to grow a family and then you found out you're pregnant and you were super excited and it was that's awesome that you had your parents and your family around to kind of share in that experience especially since they are still living in Italy so once you got back home and things got a little more real and you're, you know, progressing on your pregnancy journey. How was that for you? How was your overall pregnancy experience? Oh my God, I hated it. I never had a pregnancy <laughs> glow. Uh, this pregnancy glow that everybody talked about, not, not for me, uh, didn't happen to me. I, uh, this first couple of months, I had morning sickness and I don't get why they call it morning sickness. For me, it was all day. So it was really tough. I wasn't hungry and I love food. So for me, it was like, am I dying? Why am I not hungry? Like I just, it was really tough for me, uh, just not being hungry, not in, being able to enjoy food. And then after the first couple of months of morning sickness, I had heartburn and acid reflux throughout all the pregnancy. So I, you know, I got hungry again eventually, but like I had all these digestion issues and like this acid reflux coming. So I didn't throw up once, I think, but, um, you know, it was just terrible because I was always on the edge, you know, like, am I going to throw up tonight or yeah. Yeah, that is rough. It is. I, I was very lucky that I only had that 
morning sickness, I think for like the first month, but yeah, you're right. I don't know why they call it morning sickness either because it literally can happen at every time. I actually, I think I felt more sick in the evenings than I did in the mornings, but yeah, that's, that's pretty challenging when you, you know, you kind of have that excitement about, you know, being pregnant. And then when you're pregnant, you know, it's, the excitement kind of wears off and then it gets a little more real and you're not feeling good about yourself and maybe you're, you know, you're not able to eat. And I don't know any Italians that don't like to eat and don't appreciate good food and good, you know, good, good food experiences. So to not be able to eat and enjoy that and have those health issues when you're pregnant, that could probably change those feelings of, you know, those little feel good feelings that you might've had in the beginning. Cause I feel like things just really start to get real. Like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm having a child. So at what point did you realize that you did not have a strong attachment to your baby? Was it something like immediately or like when the moment he was born? Um, Well, things didn't progress really well after the pregnancy because I had an unexpected C-section. And so that didn't help either uh, because I wanted a natural delivery and I was open to the epidural. But, you know, in that moment and, you know, when I was there, I I got the epidural and things were progressing very quickly. I got induced because he wasn't coming out. But when I got actually to the hospital, then things were progressing quickly. So I was really excited. I was like, it's happening. And then his, his head got stuck and um, they had to perform like a C-section. And I've always been so scared of surgeries and things like that. It was traumatic for me. And so after the, the surgery, that's when I could hold it together during that time. Uh, I think because of the adrenaline and you're not sure what's going on. But after that, my brain couldn't process what had just happened. So they had to give me uh, an anti-anxiety medication. And I didn't want my baby clothes. Like I, 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 my brain just couldn't process anything. So that didn't help um, with the attachment at all. And so after the C-section, it was just very painful. I was focused on my pain and my, my husband was really helpful, but I couldn't let those feelings of love flow because I was really in pain. And so that didn't help to create that attachment that I was expecting. So how were those first few months of motherhood like for you? So like once you got home and started feeling a little bit better and healing from your C-section, at what point did those feelings start coming or those feelings of love towards your baby? So the first couple of months were okay because my husband was home and he was really helpful. I also didn't enjoy, you know, the, the breastfeeding part. It was painful in the beginning. I mean, I just didn't expect all this pain, you know, and I was just kind of like resisting it, rejecting it and like just complaining a lot. And so that didn't help either. But the first couple of months, I was trying just to focus on the present and the task at hand. So like, I'm breastfeeding, I'm here right now, just focusing on the present. But the problems came when my husband had to go back to work. And that's when all the anxiety came because I was like, okay, I'm alone with this being that I have to keep alive. And I can barely take care of myself sometimes. I'm going to do this. And uh, this is an irrational way, but the fears were irrational, you know, kind of like OCD, compulsive, like seeing the images of the half of your child. And so it was really, really hard. And I I talked to my husband uh, immediately about it. I said, like, I don't know what's going on. You know, I just I just feel this anxiety. I can't. I can process things and um, I don't know. So I, I started, I told, I told him immediately about it. I'm proud of you for doing that because that's a, that's a big step to take. And I know that it can be intimidating 
even if it is your husband and no matter how long you've known them or the relationship that you have, it's so hard to bring those kind of topics up because you, your husband and your partner, you know, they have a certain view of you and to, to be vulnerable and share, you know, your feelings of struggle or especially when it comes to your mental health, it's hard to open up and share that with people, even your partner. Having somebody that has your back know what you're going through, they're going to help you get through it. And whether it's something that he could help you with or, you know, him kind of supporting you and going to a doctor, you know, and getting medication or whatever tools that you needed to feel healthy and happy again. So good job on that. Good job. I think that that's something that women and myself need to work on is being open about how we are feeling. What other steps did you take to help yourself process and eventually change these feelings about your baby? So initially, I wanted to talk to other women who went through the same thing. So I started to you know, look for Facebook groups and things like that. And, and I also reached out to my OB. My husband said, you know, maybe you need some help. And so um, initially, I had that kind of urge to just talk about it and, um, and sharing the experience and hearing the experience of other mothers were being through the same thing. But then I realized that the more I was talking about it, the worse I felt. And many women, you know, are like they feel less lonely because they're like there are other women who went through the same thing. It wasn't like that for me. Like the more I talk about these negative feelings, the, the more overwhelmed I felt. And so I didn't, it wasn't working for me. And so I just remember about myself, like in a way that I've always loved life and I was always always been a positive person. So I was like, this has to be temporary. Like, first of all, I told myself, this can be the future. You know, this is definitely something temporary. And I asked my husband and my friends and my family, you know, just to remind me the person I was. So that was kind of like the way I thought I would go to just heal. And I didn't know exactly what to do, but I trusted that I wasn't that person. That was like something temporary. Kind of gave yourself like a mindset makeover. You saw having your family and friends remind you of the Kiara that you were and still are. You just have a baby now. You're still you're still Kiara and you can still travel and you can still do those fun and exciting things that you had done previously. It's just now you've got another little person that's going to be experiencing it with you. Yeah, it was an identity crisis. It was like someone gave me a new life, but I was still the same person. Such a like it, pregnancy like really cracked me open. It was like a motherhood, you know, it was like starting a new life, but with an identity that you already have because you, it's not a new life, but it seems like it. And so it was an identity crisis. Yeah, I think a lot of moms go through that. I, I actually think I, I did a show on that earlier this year about the identity crisis and kind of like what you experience once you become a mom. And I know some people are like, well, you're still the same person. And it's like, yes, you are. But when you have children, there's things that that previous version can no longer do. And you can't fly by the seat of your pants anymore. And like, especially if you were an adventurous person, which obviously you were, and you were used to traveling a lot and, you know, you just kind of, you do what you want and it's about you. And then having to transition to, it's not about you anymore. It's about your baby and your baby takes 
priority. So you can't drop everything and, you know, when a girlfriend calls and says, hey, let's meet up for drinks or dinner, you're like, no, I've got to take care of my child or I've got to, you know, get care for my child. So I also went through kind of like that identity crisis as well when I had my daughter. It is, it's a big adjustment. And I think it's something that in early motherhood, it's more difficult. But I feel like as your child gets older, you start feeling more confident in your mothering abilities. You start feeling more confident about who you are as a person. But so what have you learned the most about yourself during your motherhood journey? So you're still a new mom. Your child's a year old. What have you learned so far about yourself? Was a lot of growth, yes. I and growth is painful, otherwise it's not growth. So I am thankful for that. Well, first of all, I learned that throughout the pregnancy and the delivery and the first couple of months, I was just like resisting things too much. And I learned how to accept things. And so acceptance is liberating because when you stop complaining and you just accept the moment for what it is, you just like take a long breath and you're like, okay, things are like this. I can't change them. I can just find ways to cope with them. And so I stopped that rejecting, resisting, complaining. And I wish I had done that, to be honest, before. But that was a big learning curve for me, like the idea of accepting things. And then I learned how to live more in the present because, I mean... Uh, children live in the present and and so you have to focus on what you're doing when you're with them they don't think about the past or the future so that's also something very important that they teach us and this all takes me to the biggest lesson that is seeing your children as teachers so we I feel like we're mostly focus on what we have to teach them. And, and instead, most of the times we lose sight of the fact that they are teachers too. And I remember when I, my in-laws, their neighbor is a spiritual person. She does energy work. And when I got pregnant, she told me, your child will be your biggest teacher. And I never forgot that. And so I learned like the sense of humility when I am in the presence of my child and see how he can be a teacher for me. And that changed the perspective completely. And in a spiritual way, if, you know, your listeners believe in reincarnation, you know, like when our souls come to this earth, the baby is the closest you can get to God, the universe, the source, whatever you want to call it. So I started to just reframe things and see this being as something sacred. And that really helped me. I love that. I love that. So it seems like your spirituality helped you get out of that dark spot that you had been in in early motherhood. Can you share with us how how that impacted you and ultimately led you to begin your own spiritual counseling business? I yeah, spirituality was instrumental and it is right now like a big pillar in my life. And so I had read about the chakra system a long time ago and I kept on reading uh, many spiritual books and that's how I kind of created my little religion. So just taking from different books and different belief system what resonates with me. And so I started just to like feel my body more through the chakra system. And if your listeners are not familiar so, with sorry, it- Sorry, I'm going to just stop you. Okay. Did you see that? Is it the chakra system or what's the system? Chakras. Yeah. Oh, chakra system. Okay. 
Okay. I just wanted to make sure I understood you properly. Yeah. You've got a beautiful Italian accent. So there's sometimes there's some words where I I can understand it, but it might take me like your next sentence. And then I'm like, oh, okay. That's, that's what you mean. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I I said that. So if anybody else couldn't. I'm sorry about my accent. No, don't be sorry. You've got a beautiful accent. You're from Italy. Everybody loves Italy. Don't feel bad. No, I just wanted to clarify to make sure that I understood it. So you learned more about the chakra systems. Did you learn about it from that, the neighbor or the woman that you had mentioned earlier, or you just kind of started reading about it on your own? I learned about it many years ago, but then I never started to really practice it and make it part of my life. And so I started just kind of like this year to listen more to my body. And so so the chakra system is based on this idea of seven energy centers that start from the base of the spine to the top of the head. So they correspond to specific parts of the body and to specific areas of your life. And so I immediately when I had this identity crisis, I, know, I knew it was in the stomach area. Um, and, you know, my, I had, you know, these digestion issues and things like that. And so I knew that my body wasn't doing well in that area. But still, there was something missing that I couldn't. I couldn't figure out. And, and so I just started to listen more. And there was this pressure in my heart, you know, and knowing that the fourth chakra is all about love. I just realized that I couldn't feel the love, but any type of love, you know, because this anxiety obviously took over. And so I was like, where's the love, you know, and just started to wonder. And, and at a certain point, I just like, the answer was I had lost love for myself. And in the, the fourth chakra is also about self-love. I've always loved myself, you know, and what's going on? And so that's why I couldn't love my son and I couldn't feel that love. I was like, I lost the love for myself. And so the chakra system helped me figure that one out. And once I did that and this chest pressure went away and I was like, no way, I love myself. If I go back, you know, with positive affirmation and meditation, just reminding myself that I love myself, I will feel the love for my son. And that's what happened. I love that. So you, you kind of like self healed in a way, like you, you did the work and you learned more about your body and maybe those blocks that you had within your body. So I, I know a little bit about chakras, but obviously not as much as you. Um, can you break down? So how many, I, I know you mentioned it, so there, how many chakras are there? There are seven. Seven. Can you say what, what are those seven chakras in your body? The, the root chakra is about like the, the basic things in life. So a sense of like safety and security. So feeling safe. And they also develop um, at different stages in life. So when the baby is really, um, is really small, the sense of safety and security is like the, the base, you know. And so the, the traumas that happen during that part of life usually end up um, affecting this chakra. So if you feel safe and secure in life, um, you're balanced there. And it's also about like our connection with Mother Earth, like feeling grounded. Um, and so as we go up, the the sacral is the sacral chakra is about the it's our emotional center. So our all our emotions are there, and the relationships with others, so loving relationships, everything that happens there in terms of like 
uh, emotional states is resides in the sacral chakra. And then as we go up, there is like the solar plexus is like located in the, um, in the stomach area. And that's our identity, our personal power. And so when we feel stifled or, you know, there are things that we can't control and we resist them and reject things, like usually it, it affects that area. Um, and then as we go up, the, uh, the heart is like love and compassion, self-love too, as I was saying before, and um, our openness to love. And the fifth is about communication and self-expression. So especially right now, they were so divided. I feel we are all, we are all affected by this like misinformation and uh, lies that you know come from our government and things like that and so um we have to make an effort to express ourselves and our needs and so if that is locked it's something something to look out for especially during this time that we're living then the six chakras the forehead is the center of intuition so that's where you know that uh, the sixth sense is you know and where we can connect with our guides angels whatever you want to call them and then the seventh chakra is like our connection with the with the universe of god or like feeling that we are connected with everything else so this sense of spiritual connection with all living things I need to brush up more on that cuz that seems extremely interesting i'm all into intuition and improving your intuition. Um, I read a lot of those kind of books. I'm a very intuitive person. And it's like, I believe that your dreams communicate, you know, things that are going on in your body or in your life and sends you messages. And I know some people think that's, you know, weird or hippy dippy, but we're, our mind, body, and soul, all of that is connected. And it's like, sometimes we got to learn how to take advantage of intuition and that gift. And because it's like our body is telling us things, you know, whether it's happening in your mind or in your dreams. So we just have to be open and receptive to those messages. Everybody uh, can develop intuition. I think that the most important thing is just being open to receive. Most people tend to just ask specific things or like, get me this or like, what? I think that the, your spirit guides know what you need to know in this moment so if you just like stay open to receive and obviously do a lot of meditation just closing the eyes and without noise and so that you can focus they'll they'll tell you what you need to know and the more you stay open the more you receive so that there's no magic wand it's about being open but like the chakra system it works in the sense that if you're if you have blockages though like your your intuition that it's clouded so it's very important to be balanced in all the centers in order to just push the, the energy upward and make sure you open this for life. I think that that's very cool that you found something that you're passionate about. Not only do you enjoy you know, talking about it and learning about it, but it helped you to embrace motherhood more because we all know motherhood is a struggle. Yes, we have our good days and we have our bad days, but it kind of gave you a newfound appreciation and it helped you better understand why you had some of those feelings, you know, in the beginning. So I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. That's, that's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, whatever works for you, for me, spirituality, especially during this year that we can't control things that happen. And, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's just important. This year is all about looking inward. I feel so if we do the work, this year is not going to be wasted. You know, many people are just complaining about it. And I'm just going to say, instead of complaining, look inward, work on yourself, because this is what this year is calling for. I love that. Instead of complaining, look inward. That's 
That's good. I need to think, I think I need to write that down on a little quote thing and like hang it on my computer. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love that. No, you're right. You're right. We can't just waste a year because of all the shitty drama that, you know, that's happened and just the, the bad things that have happened to people that it's, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to discount what has happened because there are some things that happened this year that needed to happen so that we could have change. But we need to take advantage of those situations to create positive change, whether it's in, you know, in the world, in your city, within yourself. So I, I totally support that notion. I totally support that. So Kiara, I, I really appreciate you being candid with us today and, and sharing your experience and kind of teaching me a little bit about the chakras. Do you have any books? So I might have to link it in our show notes. Do you have any books that you would recommend or to learn about chakras or how could we get in contact with you to learn more about um, spiritual counseling? First book that is a great introduction that actually can teach you the things in common between religions. So like if you don't know what you believe, you know, and you kind of want to know if there are things in common, it's the name is Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Miss. Um, and it's a great book to just get an introduction um, and just, and then from there you'll just know where you want to go next, you know, but that's a great introduction. And then, yeah, to get in contact with me, I, um, so my name, I have a website, my name, chiarabitaule.com, that you can find my projects, the article I wrote for Good Housekeeping, and this guidance project that is essentially what I do in a few words is I use writing to provide guidance. So I put together these two passions of mine for writing and spirituality. And so I write what I call um, a report and action plan for my clients. I use different spiritual tools to give the, the person like the bigger picture of his or her life. And so I use these different tools combined and, and that's how, that's my approach. And it starts with the chakra system uh, to the tarot. So I also do like a, like a tarot reading about the soul's path and what the soul needs to learn in this lifetime. I love that. I love that. Well, I'm going to have all that linked in the show notes and I can't wait to learn more about it. I'm definitely going to check into learning more about the chakra system and I'm going to dig into your website, which I already loved. I already learned quite a bit just stalking it before you came on the show. So I think that that is very, very cool. And I think you're going to be helping so many people. Thank you again for being on the show today, Kiara. I had fun. Thank you so much for having me. I could have listened to her talk all day. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Mom After Hours. If you would like to learn more about Kiara Townsley or her spiritual guidance services, check out the show notes at momafterhours.com forward slash episodes. And I wanted to give a special shout out to Busy Bee with Three. Thank you so much for the sweet review. You made my day, girl. Until next time.